Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for Lickin' On Lending. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you with us. Welcome to Lickin' On Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news, all related to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Transformational Mortgage Solutions. To participate in today's program, our guest call in line is 646-716-4972. Now here's your host of Lickin' On Lending, David Lickin. Let's begin. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you here with us. It is June 20th. Juneteenth is the holiday we're celebrating, and it's good to have you back here with us, everybody. And we're thrilled to have you back here. And back with me again is my co-host, Jack Nuttery. Jack, good to have you on this podcast. Appreciate you, man. Great to be here, David. It's so good. We do turn out some good content. We hear about it all the time. That's because this podcast is created by mortgage professionals, Jack and myself, and it's for mortgage professionals, which is you. We're so grateful to have you as our listener. Our commitment is to bring you timely information in an audio format that you can listen to anytime and anywhere. There's some interesting news. The home equity in America hit the record level of $27.8 trillion. That was in the news over the weekend. We posted a link to that article in the show notes for today. So be sure to go check that out. Also, in the Hot Topics segment for this week, we have... Joining us, Christy Moss, who is the Chief Customer Officer at FormFree, and Christina Randolph, who is Senior Director of Single Family Strategy and Integrations at Freddie Mac. You are going to enjoy this interview so much. It's just like one of those recordings you just don't want to end. It's delightful. You're going to enjoy listening to them. And it's fun to talk to people who are passionate about what they're doing. It's certainly both Christy and Christina are that. And so you're going to enjoy that podcast. I'll say a thank you to our sponsors. We have Finastro, Fusion Mortgage Bot Solution, Seamless Platform, because the entire platform is housed in the cloud. And it really creates the opportunity for borrowers to have flexibility in how they complete the application. They can start with one. One channel move over to it seamlessly to another channel in other words on their desktop to their cell phone to their other things and we are also mobile it's nice to have our borrowers be able to have that flexibility check out finastra.com also go to the link on our website also we had john winkowski on and he did a great job he was on june 6th also form free which we will have as our guest today on the hot topics is a leading provider direct source VAs, verifications of asset and income and employment data you're going to hear all about it very exciting very pleased to have that partnership as well as a lender toolkit that's a great job with some of the technology very clients like nrl that just can't say enough good about lender toolkit and we're so grateful to have brett rumley and brent emler on the podcast in the past we'll have them back here again soon the snap docs they do a great job getting those tools and support you need to implement e-mortgage technology effectively you want to check out SnapDocs e-mortgage quick start program. Do a great job. Rihanna Ings talked about that March 28th on our podcast. Also, Total Expert. We were at the Total Expert Accelerate 2022 user conference last week in Nashville. I tell you, that was such a good conference and all the breakout sessions. I had the privilege of presenting there with Josh Lear, and it was wonderful to just sit there on stage and talk again about recruiting and such an important topic these days. So kudos to Total Expert putting on a phenomenal conference. This is a, one of those must-go-to conferences. They're a leader in the marketplace. They're the only purpose-built CRM and customer engagement platform that creates growth and loyalty for modern lenders and financial institutions. And we hear about on the roadmap for what they're creating. Wow, pretty exciting. Same thing with Simple Nexus, Andrea Lightfoot on the podcast. And we've got Shane Westra and Jay as a possibility coming on for Simple Nexus next week. So lots of good stuff. Also, Mortgage Bankers Association of America, Lenders One, the Mortgage Collaborative, as well as Success Kit, Knowledge Coop, Mobility MMI, Modex. We have so many good, great sponsors here. The Mortgage Advisory Tools, as well as DW Consulting. We say a special thank you to Adam, Les, Matt, Alice, Alan, and Jack. 
for their contributions each and every week. Let's get over to this week's MBA Mortgage Minute with Adam DeSantis. Adam, what you got for us? Hi, I'm Adam DeSantis. Welcome to the Mortgage Minute, the latest news from the Mortgage Bankers Association. Last week, FHFA published its 2021 annual report to Congress, which provides details on the agency's activities over the past year, including its actions as conservator of Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. The report highlighted FHFA's efforts in areas related to affordable housing, the GSE's capital framework, pricing, housing supply, and closing the racial homeownership gap. The recommendations related to FHFA's examination authority over third-party service providers is a topic on which MBA remains heavily engaged emphasizing previously that it would be highly inappropriate for any such reforms to grant FHFA this authority over lenders and servicers. Also last week, MBA announced that Laura Escobar, president of Lennar Mortgage, has been nominated to serve as MBA's vice chair for the 2023 membership year. She is expected to be installed at MBA's 109th annual convention in Nashville, Tennessee in October. We certainly hope to see you there. Now that's it for this week. Thank you for listening. I got to tell you, if you've never met Laura Escobar, you've got to meet her. She is a dynamo. I just really enjoy it. That's an exciting announcement. She's on the ladder, and also Mark Jones is. There's so many great, talented leaders in our industry, and we're excited to what the NBA does. And so check out. I'm really excited about Laura Escobar. Man, I listened to her at the Empire events. I heard her speak, and I'm going, wow, she is so dynamic. So we've got great leadership from the NBA. Thank you, NBA. Without further ado, let's get a Les Parker's TM Spotlight and a macro view of the markets. Les? Now waiting for a climb like this to give low rates new life. TM Spotlight Soundbites is brought to you by PowerSeller, making hedging easy. The major central banks want to fight hot inflation by implementing QT, quantitative tightening, which will hurt credit spreads, deflate financial assets even more, and push the U.S. economy into a recession. The open questions are, when will a recession hit? How hard will the recession be? What unintended financial crises emerge? The Swiss Central Bank's 50 basis points increase last week took its rate to negative 25 basis points. It underscores how much low-rate money remains in the world. When bad things happen, expect rates to drop. Waiting for bulls. These views are my own. Watch the wait at tmspotlight.com. Yeah, so good. Les Parker, thank you so much for that. You do a great job each and every week with Gary Canterbone turning on these very well-produced highlights. So get you thinking anyway. Also check out tmspotlight.com. You can subscribe to his newsletter for free by putting in the word power as a code when you're signing up. Get the paid version for free. Be sure to sign up for it. Mark Graham's taking the day off because it is a holiday. Juneteenth, but we do have Jack Nunnery. He went out fishing probably earlier this morning, came off his boat. Yes, Jack lives on the Gulf and he is, lives the life that many of us wish, but he takes the time because he loves podcasting. I'm so thrilled to have you here, Jack. So let's talk about where rates are at. It's just insane what's going on. And people are out there going, my God, rates are so high. The market is falling off. At Wells Fargo, Jack published that they're predicting 2022 volumes to be 50% from previous year. But Jack, as we were talking before we went on air, this is still record volume. But let's talk about that, Jack. What's your thoughts about the market, my friend? First of all, I just want to touch on something that Les mentioned. He said that Switzerland increased their equivalent to Fed funds rate, right, by 50 basis points to a negative 25 bips, right? <laughs> and clearly, the U.S. Fed is one of the leaders in trying to address inflation. I mean, inflation exists here, inflation exists over in Europe, and the Fed has taken a leadership role amongst the central banks to address inflation. And whether or not that throws us into a recession, that's that hard landing, soft landing. But I just had to chuckle when Les mentioned uh, mm -hmm. they raised yeah. 50 basis points. To a negative 25 bits. Yeah, pretty interesting. But what are your thoughts on current rates here in America? We're going to be talking more about this when you and I talk on July 4th. You and I are going to do a special podcast on this topic and leadership in the marketplace. And there's so much. But when you look at these volume records, even Q1, Jack, I texted you beforehand the graphic that shows how much volume was going through the market in Q1. And people were just jumping off of bridges or 
getting out of the industry, depressed and things like that. It's really surprising. We need strong leadership. That's what we're going to be talking about on July 4th, listeners. So I'm going to tease that up over and over and over again, because I'm really looking forward to it. Jack gave a great analogy on a phone call that we had together last week, and we'll just tease that up like that. But folks, these rates, yes, they're going up, but we were thrilled when rates fell to these high elevated levels just a few years ago. So this is not the end of the world, and it's really going to come down to strong leadership. And Jack wants you to opine to that before we spend a whole lot of time, but want to get your thoughts. Well, I never thought that I would look at the 10-year and think, Oh, thank goodness. The 10 years back to 323.9, right? On June 13th, the 10 year closed at 348, David. And I just thought, oh my goodness, where is this thing heading? Fortunately, it rallied and we're back down to 323.9 or on the round, call it 324. And I just find it amazing that I'm sitting here going, oh, thank goodness, it's rallied back down to 324 now. But <laughs> You bring up a good point, David. And yes, we've got rates. They're 6% or slightly north. Affordability issues out in the marketplace. And we're still projecting as an industry to originate somewhere between $2.5 and $2.8 trillion this year in first residential, both purchase and refinances. And when you look at that historically, that's one of the best five, six years, seven years in mortgage banking history, 20, 2021. Don't remember the number on 2016. You got to remember that's when we had Brexit rallied there at the end of Q2, beginning of Q3. And we just had as fast as we could go into the end of that year. And then you got to peel all the way back to 2005, 2006 to find Mm -hmm. a market that's more robust than the one we're in now. Well, there are certainly challenges. I mean, I was reading an article where the cost to originate right now is $10,500 a lot. Certainly back in 05 and 06, we didn't have that burdensome cost to originate. But nevertheless, I mean, it's not the end of the mortgage banking world. I mean, we're going to be in one of the top six or seven origination years in the history of mortgage banking in 2022. Yeah, that's the perspective everyone needs to get a hold of. And I think this is one of those times, like one person said, I get around my peers, I go, oh, yeah, it's just horrible. And I smile and giggle inside because I'm hoping a lot of them go away. They're good competitors that I don't want them here because I want more market share. It's those that are looking at this and seeing, yes, this is going to wash out the ones that are just get caught up in the drama of the drop number rather than looking at the opportunity of where it fits historically. And that comes down to leadership. Again, Jack and I are going to be focusing a lot on that on July 4th podcast, and uh, you're going to enjoy that. So anyway, Jack, so good to get your commentary on this. Appreciate it. We wish Matt, of course, a, a good day off and hope he's enjoying his Juneteenth day. For this week, this is what I call Fed President Speak Week. And so every day, this week, maybe with the exception of Friday, one of the Fed presidents is going to be talking about interest rates. One thing right. to keep in mind that on Wednesday and Thursday, Fed Chair Jerome Powell will be testifying on monetary policy at the House Financial Services Committee. And we all know when Jerome speaks, the market listens, kind of yes. like that old EF commercial yep. years ago. So have your radar up and spinning on Wednesday and Thursday. And then we've got jobless claims on Thursday morning. And then we have the U.S. Michigan Consumer Sentiment Index on Friday, which, by the way, last month, that Consumer Sentiment Index Mm -hmm. fell to 50.2. David, that is the lowest level for that index since that index has been used. Wow. I missed that little detail. I knew it had dropped, but it's interesting to show where consumer sentiment is. We're all right with interest rates, the economy. You go to fill up your gas tank, and it's a lot of people are paying over $100 to fill up a gas tank. That's going to have an impact. That's, that's an ouch. 
And well, I think they probably oversampled a bunch of mortgage bankers for that cinnamon yeah, index. So. They did. That's, uh, that's very, very true. Great thoughts, Jack. Appreciate it very much. I'm looking forward to us doing that podcast on uh, the July 4th. That'll be a really good one. Anyway, Alice Alvey is taking the day off as well, but she did take the time to send in her comments. So we're going to go right on over to those. Alice, again, is CMB Vice President of Education and Training at Union Home Mortgage. We're grateful to have her here giving us a legislative update. Alice? Thanks. And for everyone out there, I'm off today. So uh, thank you for allowing me to send in a pre-recorded session. And we're off today in honor of Juneteenth. It's a real important federal holiday that I really would love to give everyone a chance to understand a brief history of today's federal holiday. Since I know as I was talking with some friends over the weekend, we were all trying to get our facts straight on this and we needed to go look it up. So what we found was that it was June 19th in 1865. And this is about two Two months after Robert E. Lee surrendered, Gordon Granger, a Union general, showed up in Galveston, Texas to inform the enslaved African Americans of their freedom and that the Civil War had ended. So General Granger's announcement put into effect the Emancipation Proclamation, which had been issued nearly two and a half years earlier by Abraham Lincoln. So here they were, two and a half years, still experiencing slavery, and they didn't receive their emancipation until this day when Gordon Granger showed up. So that's why we refer to it as Juneteenth Independence Day, Freedom Day. Sometimes it's referred to as Emancipation Day. So folks have been celebrating this with prayer, family gatherings, and so forth for many, many years, even since that time. And it was back in 1872 that a group of African-American ministers and businessmen in Houston purchased 10 acres of land and they created the Emancipation Park which was intended to hold the city's annual Juneteenth celebration. So way back then, folks were celebrating. Uh, There's lots of celebrations that go on today across the country. And I think one thing I found very interesting was that it was back in 1980 in Texas that they became the first state to designate Juneteenth as a holiday. So this isn't new. It was new that all of us as a country joined in the acknowledgement of Juneteenth and the importance of this day. But Texas has recognized this all the way back since 1980. So it was great to see that we now have a new federal holiday for all of us to reflect on the importance of the end of slavery, no matter what our backgrounds are. So anyway, thank you all. There weren't any big legislative news items today, and I thought this was very fitting to share some ideas on instead. So I'm going to send it back to you. Have a great day, everyone. That was actually really good. It was really informative. We're both in Texas, so it's nice to know that the rest of the country caught up with what we've been celebrating here for forever. Thoughts? Well, I'm not made a Texan, David, so yeah. some of the historical aspect of the trip to Galveston to inform the slaves that they had been emancipated, that's news to me. I mean, I'm a Floridian by birth, so while <laughs> I consider myself to be a Texan today, I was born in Florida, so Texas history has always been of interest to me. It is. There is so much history here, and everyone thinks of the Alamo, but there's so much more here. So anyway, Alice Alvey, thank you so much for giving us that update, and appreciate you so much. We've got Alan Pollock made it into the podcast. What's the tech update you got for us this week? Way too many fun things. Jack and I had a good conversation yesterday, but like all Zoom calls in this industry start, we all ask where each other are from, and Jack, I completely forgot, but where in Florida are you from? And I'm, I want to say Jacksonville because I remember your phone number starts with a 904. Yeah, Jacksonville. I'm one of like 14 Jacksonville Jaguar fans in the country. Well, yeah, we got 15 now, right? Because after living here for 10 years. So I don't think you and I really have chatted much, especially now that I know that you pretty much retired on a boat. So I'll have to give you a call and we'll chat a little bit. But let's get into some fun news, right? And so, David, since today is kind of an easy day, I want to start with a fun fact, then I'm going to head to a joke. The fun nice. fact, there was a survey that was done, was a, a test bed of a bunch of surgeons. They found that surgeons that grew up playing video games more than three hours per week, and that's not a lot, thinking about the surgeons, right, our ages and the video games, or at least my age, or the video games that were out, the surgeons that grew up playing more then three hours per week made 37% fewer errors and have a 42% faster completion rate when performing laparoscopic surgery and suturing. Wow. So go figure. Amification, right? Well, that gives new insights into the laparoscopies. 
which so many surgeons are yeah. done like that. So, but anyway, so good information. All right. Yeah. For good anyone that is listening today live, the question or the joke is, how do computers attack each other? And it's real simple, by using pop-up ads. And we've oh. all been attacked by a computer at least once or twice. Oh. All right, let's get to the fun news. So good news. there's a company out there called mm-hmm. Homelight. That's light, like a light bulb. So Homelight. Yeah. They raise $115 million for further development of their real estate home technology platform, their Series D, and it was $60 million in equity and $55 million in debt. I'm going to repeat that again. They had $55 million in debt, and it took $60 million in equity. The company's platform is designed to help customers nail down their mortgages, but it also helps finalize various processes related to the purchase. And the reason I brought them up today, David, is because at this unique time, more than ever, hopefully your organization has been thinking about how to better attract and complete or drive a borrower from beginning to end, how to make their experience exceptional, satisfactory, and to help drive referrals. Now, if you're a financial institution, we invest X amount of years into each of our members or our borrowers, and we look at the mortgage transaction as a segue into that continued investment as well as a cross-sale to the other products we have. But for a non-financial institution, right, you're looking at things a little bit differently. But at the end of the day, we're all trying to figure out how do we partner with the right tech solutions? Who is going to partner with Homelight, Opendoor, Zillow, all these other platforms out there? You may not like some of them, but what is the technology and how do you leverage technology? Some of those technology solutions are advertisers or sponsors of this podcast that help you manage and track. But you know what they don't do? They do not educate the consumer, and that is done human to human. So anyways, great news for Homelight, really interesting. I honestly, if you're a mortgage lender, non-bank or bank, I would keep or continue to listen to this podcast, and I will continue to share information about some of these platforms. Is extremely important as everybody is fighting for market share before that loan is going to start. So take a look at home life. Then, David, I want to chat a little bit about kind of how do you implement technology? And you have so many opinions on this. I bet you Jack and our other members of our normal weekly podcast have so many different opinions. I brought up last week, David, Vistar Credit Union. They're one of the largest out here in Florida. Actually, Jack, I wouldn't be surprised if you have being that they're the official financial institution of the Jacksonville Jaguars that you have an account there. But they implemented new technology, and they spent two weeks with people not being able to pay bills, access money, transfer money, even log into their website. It was extremely concerning. And so they obviously didn't do enough preparation. They didn't vet this company out correctly. They didn't put a good plan in place. So I started researching and thinking, all the times we've talked about this or we kind of insinuate, let's just chat about a couple things. And I just put a couple generic items together that I found across the internet. And some of these I've witnessed or been part of in real life. So let's just go through a couple of them. The best right now that I can think of is a multi-prong approach. You can't just take technology and put it in place. So you have to put a couple strategies in place and you have to run them in parallel. But those initiatives that you put in place, they have to be driven by stakeholders with working teams. And you have to actively look for and assemble your advocates across those initiatives and teams so they can create a bubble effect. So that's the first one. The second one, David, is setting clear objections. Get everyone on board. has to be from the top. This is a great time for the CEO or the executive team to communicate and be a part of the team. Actually show the CEO using that new technology or your chief lending officer or your chief credit officer have your chief underwriter or your director of underwriting do these demos and help people and to get everyone on board and set those objectives and help drive those objectives. Absolutely the most important to show it from the top down. The next is, this is interesting. I didn't know this model, David, but it's called the TAM model. It's T-A-M and it's a framework called the technology acceptance model and it works on perceived value versus perceived ease of use. And so you basically can set those expectations and those benefits. Google it. There's tons of information about it. But they say to use TAM as a foundation. Again, that is the technology acceptance model. David, what's really, really important? Education. Ensure that you've tested the system and you've written information in a way that somebody can look information up. You don't need fancy knowledge-based software. It could be an Excel file. It could be recorded two-minute videos but have some type of walkthroughs or education where you can explain this new tech and people can go back on their own 
and they can review and understand it. And then the next thing is, which I'm gonna bring up, is ensure employees know their jobs will not be threatened. Especially right now with all the layoffs you're hearing and all the crazy bonuses which now have gone away of hiring people, let them know that they're there to help drive success. Technology is just a tool. They're not being replaced. Keep communication flowing. And then finally, you know what, David? Make it fun. Some people do the gamification. They build contests. Maybe whoever can create the most or best instructional videos that people vote on, they win something. But put a little competition in place. But ultimately, that you have to have a vision ahead of time. You have to know that your vision is aligned once the technology has been implemented, right? Have your phases, have you achieved the milestones of those phases as you expected? And then follow a bunch of those different models. There's probably 50 more. But then you can work towards a successful implementation. And as Jack said last week, Jack probably said the best thing, and he's not even in the tech report officially, which is <laughs> test, 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 and continue <laughs> testing and make sure that you test it. Oh, yeah. That sounds like Jack. Man, I went back and listened to that podcast. That was good. He did a great job last week of hosting. I'm so proud of him. Well, the thing about you and Jack is you guys have been around the block a few times. I've been around the block once or twice, but you've been around the block quite a few times. That means we're old. Yeah. It's so interesting to have that perspective. Alan, you bring us so much information on what's happening in technology and where things at and always get comments. People just love your sense of humor and the things that you bring out. So good job again. Good report. Appreciate you so much. If you want to email Alan, email him at Alan, A-L-L-E-N at TMS-advisors.com. If you're looking for a job, we'll help you there. But he's always one of these guys that's just lending out help and advice. And also he welcomes all these latest technology ideas. So it gets his feedback from him. Alan, thank you for being here. Appreciate it for this week's tech update. Very good job. Yeah, looking forward to the hot topic. Appreciate it, Alan. Thank you so much. Well, folks, that wraps up this week's mortgage update. We're thrilled to have you here in that first part of the podcast. For those of you listening live, just stay right here. We're going to flow right into the hot topic segment. For those listening on a downloaded basis, just move on to the next podcast and you'll find it there. Listeners, I am very excited to have one of my dear friends on here. Of course, Jack Nunnery is here, co-host, but I'm talking about Christy Moss, Chief Customer Officer at Form Free. Christy, so good to have you here. Hello. I'm so happy to be here with you. And joining you is a good friend of yours and someone who's becoming a friend of ours is Christina Randolph. She's Senior Director of Single Family Strategy and Integration at Freddie Mac. And you have worked closely with her. So many people know you, Christy, and have you've been on many times. But if you would introduce our guests and explain the unique and amazing relationship between both you and the companies. Absolutely, absolutely. So Christina and I first began our friendship and partnership at Fannie Mae. So she was at Fannie Mae when I was there, and we were both working diligently to help lenders understand the value of the utilization of digital tools. And so now she leads a team at Freddie Mac and is making tremendous headway with the organization and the enhancements that Freddie is bringing to the market. But Christina brings a unique perspective in that she was once a loan officer. So when we talk to lenders about how they should be thinking about the utilization of the tools, it's because she's done the work. And Christine and I, we get so passionate because we truly see the value that this brings to the market. And every time I'm together with her on stage or in a podcast, a webinar, it truly brings value to the audience. And I love sharing the stage with her. So Christina, so thrilled to have you here. Yes, Christina, what do you want to add to this? Thank you so much, David and Christy, for inviting me and Jack for being here. As Christy mentioned, our relationship now being in different organizations, me being at Freddie Mac and her being on the fintech side at Form Free, I feel like we did not miss a beat, right? All of the things that we were driving towards at Fannie Mae and helping lenders optimize their outcomes and operationalize a lot of these digital offerings and capabilities, that didn't change for us and it kind of bled over into our new role. So just a little background about me, as Christy mentioned, I come from a loan officer background. I'm a little bit unique in that I started in the mortgage business when I was 17. So not quite yet an adult, but not quite yet old enough and crazy enough to know any better. Or maybe I was crazy enough and I just didn't know any better. But I was so and still am grateful for that opportunity I was given at such a young age to come into such a vital industry like Mm -hmm. housing and finance, right? And I've held various roles, but I was primarily a loan officer. So to Christy's point, having lived this at one point in my career and 
at the time, not having access to these digital verifications and tools at the time, I didn't realize how much it was really holding back me and my role as the first line of defense into the consumer experience around mortgages. So fast forward, right, I made the leap over to the technology side. And now I get to do something that I really love and collaborate with some of the biggest names in the origination technology ecosystem, like Form Free. And I get to meet folks like you and Jack. I think the favorite part for me, besides meeting some of the most fascinating and hardworking people in this industry, is that my team and I get to work with a lot of different software providers and fintechs to identify opportunities to work together to bring something really meaningful and game-changing to the market. And again, as a formal loan officer and having to watch our industry evolve from that heavy utilization and reliance on physical documentation to this incremental digitization that we're seeing now and to see it still evolving has been really exciting. And then furthermore, to have the opportunity to really be a part of that change and help surveil the market look for source data from partnerships and affect some of that real transformational change. And even like Christy said, work with lenders to actually operationalize and optimize an implementation around these digital offerings. I mean, that's just even cooler. Jack and I had the privilege, listeners, of talking to these two amazing mortgage professionals. It came out so clear about their passion, but it awoke something in Jack because this is down one of the favorite topics with Jack. So Jack, let's get this topic started, get it introduced if you would. Thank you, David. I've always been a fan of process engineering and optimizing process. So this rekindled that personal interest that I have in that aspect of the business. But I have a question for Christina. Lately, Freddie Mac has been making a lot of headway and making it easier to verify borrower credentials. And earlier this month, Freddie announced that lenders can now re-verify employment with direct deposit data. Can you explain, Christina, how that works? So just to back up just a bit and talk about the credentialing piece, it's not just about the credentialing and the challenges that we've seen in this digital verification space. Consumers' habits have changed, right? And they needed to change a lot over the past couple of years anyway. But regardless of that, consumers' willingness to provide their credentials and permission their data has been much less of an issue in recent years. I think we've moved into an era where there's a lot less apprehension because of things like automatic bill payers, money transfer applications, online retailers. All of these platforms have our account information stored, and we're so willing to have them have our information to make it convenient to execute all of these types of financial transactions. That's really paved the way, I think, for larger financial transactions like mortgages. So by way of adoption and normalization, it's become easier for us in the housing finance space to look at different ways to leverage the data that is permissioned by consumers and then banks being more open to supplying it. So I just wanted to set the stage about the credentialing piece because we're definitely not seeing as much of an objection in that area as we had in the past when we first rolled out some of these digital tools. But back to the topic of the re-verifying employment, using direct deposit data from bank statements, last week we announced yet another enhancement, right, to our Asset and Income Modeler Program, or or AIM, as you may hear us refer to it. And that is the automation of the 10-day pre-close verification. We all love our acronyms in the GSC space, so that will also be referred to, you'll hear it as 10-day PCV. So Freddie Mac now has a tool that can assess not only assets and income, but now employment too by leveraging third-party data from approved partners like Form Free. And the key component here is in loan product advisors' ability to automate that final right-before-closing employment verification task that's traditionally been manual. So lenders have that responsibility to ensure the borrower is still employed at the job they said they had when they applied, right? And usually that was 30, 60, or in some cases, 90 days prior in the process. So lenders have to pull an employment re-verification report, or maybe they have to make a phone call, they have to document the phone call, wait for the manual report, make sure that report meets investor guidelines, and then attach it to the report file. I mean, so many steps, so much extra time. Now, you can order a re-verification report or even refresh an asset or income report that you may have used earlier in the process, send it through Loan Product Advisor, which a lender typically is submitting to AUS one last time, right? to ensure the eligibility criteria has not changed. And you can instantly get a message back that says, you're good to go, employment has been re-verified. And by the way, 
you just have to make sure it closes by this date, which we calculate for you. What I love about Friday Mac Innovation is that we try to think about the easiest way to put these capabilities in the hands of our lenders faster. Mm -hmm. Developed our risk assessment to leverage several sets of financial data in seconds from partners like FormFree. We built the integration to the third party, so you don't have to vet out as a lender the report yourself and make sure it has all the details the guide tells you it needs. And we built the logic to calculate the dates you need to know to take the guesswork out of your deadlines, potentially saving the lender 10 or 20 or maybe more minutes per loan. I mean, that's really the power of the offering, really, quite frankly, the power of the data. Power of the data. Christy, what is FormFree doing to help lenders take advantage of the RBOE? I like that. Yeah, the re-verification of employment. And I love the power of the data. We say at FormFree that empowering the consumer with the utilization of their own data is the most efficient way to lead the manufacturing process. And kudos to Freddie Mac for recognizing the power of the consumer's data and putting these operational changes to the market so that lenders can take advantage of them. So at FormFree, of course, we work closely with Freddie Mac and we're able to go ahead and be able to prepare for the release of the RVOE or the 10-day pre-close verification. Simply said, if a lender is ordering an asset report account check, then the lender can now order a digital verification of employment from our dashboard. And at the end of this week, the Encompass integration will be updated as well. So what we've done is we've made it easy for lenders who are already embracing the digital transformation of the industry by ordering account check. You just simply order a DVOE. And within a matter of seconds, we report back to the lender 90 days of direct deposit history that the consumer is still employed. And again, this is all off of the bank data. So back when Brent Chandler first said there is an industry need for sharing data digitally, he said the power of everything that a lender needs to know about a consumer's ability to pay is embedded in the bank account. You see where they work, you see their net income, you see their transaction history, you can verify their assets and the ease of doing it this way is supercharged. I mean, there's no other way to talk about it. And then the cost reduction, Christina didn't mention the cost reduction. In the market today, there are some costly products out there to do this re-verification automatically. And what we've been able to bring to the market is optionality to lenders to reduce cost. Well, guess what's at the top of the mind today for lenders? Reducing cost, embracing speed and empowering the consumer with their data and more importantly, is bringing a product to the market that is competitive in their regions. So that's what we've done. So we're ready to go. It's out there live. Yeah, that's what I want to bring up. This is not something that's under development that you're going to be releasing. This is on the shelf, ready to be used, correct? That's exactly right. Lenders who do business with FormFree, you've probably seen a slurry of emails, posts from us on LinkedIn, some outreach by your account managers, but it's out there ready to use. And so as you're looking at the benefits of the digital technology, you should be thinking about a couple things. Number one, is it better for the consumer? Yes, it is, because guess what? They don't have to provide you with W-2s and pay stubs. Number two, does it cost me less money? Yes, it does. Number three, does it save my underwriters, processors, and pre-closers time? Yes. I'm not quite sure what else lenders need to know to get started other than three yeses. That's so good. When we were talking yesterday, you interjected a term that Jack and I were just loving, and it's called immutable. And so I want you to expound on the word immutable. Great. So immutable for us means the data, it's truth versus trust. The data cannot be changed, altered, manipulated. When you get data directly from the source, whether it be the bank account or the payroll providers that we work with, it is immutable, meaning it's It is the 100% trust data. And Freddie Mac realizes and embraces they would much rather have direct source data Mm -hmm. than paper documents that have been touched, manipulated, have the propensity for fraud. That way they know it's accurate. The benefits to the lender, to the consumer are astronomical. I mean, everyone involved in this thing, there's so many wins up and down the entire food chain on this thing, Christy. It was so fun, Jack, to watch you come completely excited about the concepts here. And I wanted to have you opine to what Chrissy was saying about the immutability, because that brings in a lower loan loss reserve rate. And so expand on some of that. Hey, David. One of the things that we discussed yesterday was as you begin to use immutable data, and then there is rep and warrant relief 
around using that immutable data. Now we start talking about improving the manufacturing process, reducing the risk of repurchase. And most organizations take a reserve against the likelihood of future repurchases. And one of the things that I was able to do at one of my previous employers was get our reserve for forward-looking repurchases reduced from five basis points down to one basis point. I mean, and when you start running that through your P&L and then you scale it with large volume, cost savings are certainly significant. And then moreover, as we start talking to those people that ensure our business, I think it's a really good talking point to leverage the technology that accesses this immutable data to calculate key areas of the file, such as qualifiable income. I mean, look, fraud's prevalent. We talk about fraud a lot, but where do we see fraud occurring right now? Well, it's over in the income side of the file. I'm not saying we've eliminated fraud in collateral valuation, David, but we've certainly substantially mitigated fraud over the collateral valuation. And where we're seeing it right now is over in income. And when you use technology like this, you can make substantial improvements in your risk profile when it comes to mitigating fraud in income calculations. But with that said, let's get back on topic. Christina, a few months back, Freddie Mac announced it expanded asset and income modeler so lenders can assess home buyer income with direct deposit data. Can you describe how that works to our audience? Sure. And I know our friend and colleague, Kevin Kaufman, was on your show a few months ago, and he talked about this a little when he was here. But just to offer the recap, you heard me talk about the simple process for automating the 10-day pre-close verification, where this is all built within our loan product advisor risk assessment capability, along with partners like Form Free. Direct deposit works the same way. Instead of only re-verifying employment, LPA is assessing an additional set of data that we can use to not only calculate income and save tons of time chasing down correct and accurate documentation, but it's also to potentially offer what you mentioned, the potential of rep and warranty relief. So imagine not having to ask a loan applicant who is a wage earner and gets paid their income directly deposited into their bank account every pay period. Imagine not having to ask them for any physical or digital even copies of their income documentation. I mean, the best part of this is that it can be applied to 93% of Americans who receive their pay via direct deposit into their bank account. 93%. That's a pretty wide funnel to start with. And that's an important point because here at Freddie Mac, we're on a mission to make home possible. And that centers around affordability, sustainability, and equitable home ownership, right? And leveraging technology and tools that are available to us to execute on this mission. So something like AIM offers, as you mentioned, an incredible amount of value and benefit for everybody up and down the chain, from realtors and consumers to LOs, processors, underwriters, and beyond. So when we think about all those different benefits that AIM provides to lenders and to the industry as a whole, operational efficiency and a better mortgage experience, they hands down typically always win the pageant. But if you look on the other side of that, the ability for that loan to qualify for a potential offer of rep and warranty relief is just as significant. So what we're actually talking about here by leveraging data from the source of the truth to evaluate from our risk lens is increased data quality and a significant reduction in fraud right? Especially in the categories where QC defects are at their highest. When we leverage data from the source of the truth, we're raising data standards that we all use to make data-driven and data-derived assessments and decisions. And wrapped around both sides of the efficiency play and the data quality aspect is the ability to drive costs down. So this is where the rep and warranty relief eligibility really is a game changer, especially with the shift in the market. It's something we don't talk about enough, I don't think. But AIM can be a key tenant to protecting and preserving margins. And that's, I think, relevant in several examples. Jack, you mentioned having the lesser insurance policy, right? And having to maybe carry less on loan loss reserves and warehouse lines. If loans have less of a chance to be 
repurchase and I'm in a finance seat, like you mentioned, right? This would implore me to analyze those reserves and those warehouse lines because I should be able to carry less cash, right? And allocate it elsewhere because I'm less susceptible to the risk that comes with certain types of loans. Less insurance policy, as Jack mentioned, is a cost saver, right? And here at Freddie Mac, we're offering this assessment at no cost to a lender. So I definitely would love to have conversations with lenders to be able to take advantage of that. But beside that, right, there's the efficiency play, there's fraud and risk mitigation efforts, there's staffing and bandwidth issues, right? Economies of scale, being able to produce more with less. I mean, that's a no-brainer for me when running a business, right? So there's several different value propositions that I could cite. But I think when you talk about verifying raw direct source immutable data that can't be changed, I mean, that right there in and of itself is a game changer that can drive costs down significantly. Christina, just as a follow-up thought, some of the comments you made, you talked about operational efficiency gains. Have you done any business use case studies with regards to what lenders can save by adopting this type of technology? Absolutely. I will say that we we released a cost to originate study towards the end of last year that is published on our single family website that is available for anyone to go take a look at it. And we have broken it down by various types of lenders, right? Because as we all know, lenders are unique. The mortgage process itself may not have changed over the past many decades, right? Each lender individually has nuances, right? In the way in which they operationalize any of their tools or even their people, right? In the manufacturing process. So when you look at the differences between different types of lenders and the savings that they could realize, you really have to look at it in the lens of a large lender, maybe a medium-sized lender, and a small lender, right? But with origination costs on average being, I think, what, in the $9,000 bucket these days, you have in that cost to originate study the breakdown of the large, medium, and the small lenders and what they could realize from their savings. So we have done, to a certain extent, cycle time reduction cost reduction. It can be anywhere I've seen from five to 10 days. It could be 20 days, right? It all depends really on what the lender's baseline is, where they're starting from. And that we have seen can really vary across different types of lenders and different sizes of lenders. I'm going to get in with a question back to you, Christy, because again, a lot of people hear AIM, they might hear different things. Again, this is the asset income modeler. I'm very excited about this concept. And Christy, what is FormFree doing to help lenders take advantage of AIM? And it's specifically for income using direct deposits. And what are some of the business benefits of opting into the AIM program for income using direct deposits? Again, Form Free, we are continuing to innovate alongside with Freddie Mac, and it's super easy. We provide the asset data from the consumer linking their bank account. LPA does the work, meaning we deliver the asset data by reissue key or non-fungible token. That's another word, Jack, that you might love, non-fungible, meaning it cannot be altered. It is, again, the truth. Into LPA, LPA does the assessment of the asset data, which includes the direct deposits, and spits out the income. It is that easy. So the only thing that lenders have to do is take advantage of these tools and order an account check report. Essentially, what Freddie Mac has done has moved the assessment of the consumer's assets and income up to the front of the process, meaning lenders, the minute they take an application, they should be ordering a VOA report and then submitting that data to LPA. So in their case file findings, they get the exact direct they know if the income was identified off direct deposits, and then they can make strategic decisions about where to go in order to meet those stipulations. And strategic meaning, where am I going to spend my money to verify the consumer's data in order to get this loan? If you don't need to spend $100 on an income report, then why would you? Why would you go ahead and order a report to verify the income when LPA is doing that work for you? And then the second piece of that question is the benefits. Again, we can talk about this all day long. Every day we see it in LinkedIn, other companies doing layoffs, people talking about the margins, people talking about where we're going to get production. And if you're able to reduce your cost as well as create a better borrower experience, which will lead you to referrals, then that is a strategic 
decision on how to build your process. One statistic that just came out this week at the MBA MISMO conference, and I'm going to toss out a couple things. The cost of manufacturing alone is right at $10,000, right? Banks are spending between 9% of that total cost on technology. IMBs, who are the ones who are really looking for the additional production, are only spending 4% of the cost of manufacture. So you can see where the larger institutions have invested in the technology for the consumer, for the manufacturing process. And as we look at the coming months where lenders are going to be strategizing on how do I bring more production in, the way that you do that is exactly what Christina said, is you do more with your staff. You don't need to staff up as production the ebb and flow. If you let technology do some of the manufacturing stages, then you're not at risk for staffing up and then having to staff down. Great point. I have a question for Christy. I like what I'm hearing. I think that when you look at process enhancements, I think of OEM, right? It's not original equipment manufacturer. It's optimization, enhancement, and mitigation. But my question, Christy, is How do lenders get started using this technology? Great question. So, Jack, one of the things that FormFree invested in early on was creating relationships with LOS and POS partners. We like to say we are where the lenders need us to be. So, we have an expansive list of integrations that we have worked to build so that lenders can place an order for an account check. So, the first thing they have to do is connect with us. Let's get them started. Let's become partners. Our team of account executives works diligently to help help lenders onboard, understand the benefits. The second piece of it is technology partners have to be where lenders need them to be. You have to make it easy for lenders to use these tools. And that's what we've done is we are embedded in just about every LOS and POS out there. We have a expansive relationship with Encompass, which I think still accounts for about 60% of the market. By the end of this week, that integration will be updated a little bit. And then that's how the journey begins. In partnership with Freddie, we've realized that lenders are at this point where they need help on adopting these tools. And so I have to toss it over to Christina first to compliment them on the recognition that you can't just build an interface and say, okay, go use it. You actually have to show lenders, here are the benefits to your organizations. Here's how you get started. Here's how you talk about it with your loan officers, your underwriters, your processors. So Christina, do you want to share a little bit of that work that Freddie is doing to assist lenders in using these tools that you guys have invested in. Yeah, sure. And thanks, Christy, for kind of laying the groundwork there because on the Freddie side, we work very similarly, right? We encourage folks to consult with your Freddie Mac team, right? We, like Form Free, have dedicated resources to help you understand what the impact of these digital offerings like AIM are into your business. So we have to at least get the conversations started. And Kevin had mentioned this before when he was on, but there can be numerous points of implementation successes and failures, right? When working with trusted advisors, both at Freddie Mac and Form Free, you know, will help you to either avoid and or learn from some of these implementation pitfalls that we've seen, lived and heard and develop best practices suited to your organization to help you optimize outcomes. But one of the things that I wanted to highlight here is, Christy, you mentioned Form Free has done the heavy lifting, right? You've developed integrations and built integrations to majority of the POSs and the LOSs out there on the market that lenders use. And you even to a certain extent have worked with custom lenders, right, in their own proprietary systems, because you have to make this easy. You have to enable the ability for lenders to operationalize, right? We have all of these different steps today in a manual process. So for us to come in and say, hey, we've got this great new shiny digital automated capability and you guys should use it. And then just to have the lenders come back to us and say, this is a really clunky process. Everybody's disjointed. None of these systems are talking to each other. It's so counterproductive, counterintuitive to what we are trying to move this industry forward towards, which is a more digital automated way of working. So whether you start on the form-free side or you start on the Freddie Mac side, at some point there is a convergence, right? To Christy's point, there's certainly different aspects on each side that we have to prepare lenders for. But at some point we have to come together to understand, okay, what is the lender's POS or LOS system? How do they process loans 
today and use each of our tools. And we can then consult about what changes need to be made. Now, Jack, you mentioned process re-engineering, right? That is a huge component of this joint implementation that Form Free and Freddie Mac are trying to accomplish, right? That if lenders keep their process the same, but then add in all these digital capabilities, they're not going to affect any kind of real change in their cost structure, in their business model, nothing, right? We have to work together to understand what waste can be eliminated from the process to get truly to a new way of working and manufacturing loans. Great point. Jack, did you want to do a follow-on to that? Well, my follow-on logically, David, is people resist process re-engineer. They say, my process works fine. And that just really grinds on me because your process is costing $9,500 per loan. Guys, your process isn't optimized. So when I hear Christina and Christy talk about something that really speaks to one of the most highest cost jobs inside of the process, and that is determining qualifiable income. It takes a long time to do that. And you use your highest cost associates mm -hmm. To do that. And this is so relevant in our industry today. You can re-engineer your process or you can continue to complain about $9,500 cost to originate a loan. I go, let's re-engineer our process. Let's use the technology out there and let's, one, optimize our process, two, enhance the borrower experience, and three, mitigate risk around repurchase. It's a win-win-win, David. And I think it's such a good point. I want to go to going outside of industry for a minute. I want to go listen to a quote. I've used this a number of times when I've spoken before, but Nokia had 85% of the market share of the cell phone market. Along came this thing called the iPhone. And now what's interesting is Nokia has actually invented the buttonless phone, but they didn't capitalize on their own technology that they developed in-house. So I go to the point that you were saying, Jack, and I want to get Christy and Christina's response to this, but Stefan Elop, who was the CEO of Nokia, made this statement at the end of one of his famous speeches, and that is, we didn't do anything wrong, but somehow we lost. I think that goes to business as usual. Don't change the process. If it ain't broken, don't try to fix it. Folks, people are fixing their business processes all around you. And if you stay stuck, you're going to be saying the same thing as that the CEO of Nokia said when they were the market dominant factor in there. If you don't change your processes, Christy, comment to that. And I'd love to get your final thoughts on that, Christine, as we wrap this up. Christy. Yeah, David, you are so right. In the previous quote that I said, I said, the banks are spending 9% of the cost yes. to originate on technology. What I hear if I am a small to midsize or even large independent is the banks are creating a better experience. They are reimagining the way that the mortgage process is delivered to the consumer. As a business owner, what that also tells me is I better be competitive, meaning I better use the same tools that are being presented across the industry. Otherwise, I'm going to get left behind. That's number one. So as Freddie Mac continues to invest, and believe me, these are huge investments by mm -hmm. Freddie Mac in bringing new ways to assess credit risk. It is a gift to the lenders to give them rep and warrant relief. As Jack touched on, the impact of that is huge. When you're able to reduce your loan loss reserves, that's cold, hard cash in today's market. You can redeploy that. If I'm a lender and I'm looking for ways to be more competitive, I'm going to do it better, faster, and cheaper than my competitor. Better is using the tools that the consumers are already using with Venmo, with PayPal, with Stripe, yep. with Amazon. They're already doing these things. The consumers expect a better experience. If you're still stuck in the old ways of paper collection, you're going to get left behind. If you can manufacture a loan faster than your competitors, you're going to capture more referral business. Realtors love speed. They don't want to call the lender every day. And if you 
can do it at a cost point that is less than your competitor, you're going to have more capital to improve your price. I say this all the time to my lenders. If I'm a lender and I'm looking to beat my competitors, I'm going to capitalize on these tools. I'm going to use my cost savings. I'm going to improve my price. So I'm going to capture more of your market share to my competitors. That's what you do for the market. Christina, wrap this up. Yeah, sure. Well, so Nokia may not have done anything wrong, but I mean, they certainly missed a step (laughs) along the way, right? And I'll be honest, right? I don't believe there's any right or necessarily wrong way here, right? We're talking about really complex software implementations, but we have a responsibility as the folks that sort of develop and build these things to make it easier for lenders, right, to take advantage of and help them to operationalize and, again, optimize their outcomes. But as Christy mentioned, right, if you don't take advantage of some of these tools and really change your behaviors, right, I think that was something that Jack was kind of getting at is that if you don't change the outlook on your organization, it's going to be a lot harder to change process overall. So one thing that I always say, right, is that we have to establish a baseline when we get into these conversations to understand where you as lenders are starting from. Ground zero, what is your cycle time today? We have to understand maybe what is broken from that app to approval or that app to close timeline. How many times does a loan go back and forth to underwriting? And and again, how much does it cost you to originate each file? What's your average pipeline? I mean, it sounds so basic, but so many lenders have a difficult time measuring their success because they don't even know what they were trying to improve upon to begin with. So beyond this, I mean, let us help you, right? We can fail together, but we can also succeed together. And I'll counter quote you, right? This is a one from one of my colleagues that she unknowingly has drilled into my head because we kind of live it every day. But it's also a famous quote from Winston Churchill. So I should know it, right? Success is not final. Failure is not fatal. It is the courage to continue that counts. So let's all be courageous and continue on this digital journey together because there is nowhere else to go but up. Aim higher as an industry. And I'll just leave you with that. Playing on that acronym, Asset Income (laughs) Modeler. I love it. That's great. Okay, so the call to action, how someone says, okay, I got it. I want to take action. What's the first step they need to do, Christina? They need to give us a call here at Freddie Mac. And we have lenders that work with dedicated account teams. We also have a call center that can answer any questions. And then I would also say consult with Christy at Form Free. I knew we were going to get back to you, Christy. So how can we get a hold of you, Christy? Listen, I am just like Form Free. I'm everywhere you need me to be. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Twitter. My phone number, you can email me. This is one of my most favorite things to do is work with lenders. I've been in this industry for a long time. And one of the things that I realized is I want to leave it better than I found it. And so this is truly a passion for me is I want to leave this industry better than I found it a long time ago. And so I love talking with lenders. We have a fantastic team here. We've got, I mean, Jocelyn Brooks, she's our director of customer success, 19 years with Freddie Mac. We have the team that understands how lending should be done. And we have the team to help lenders create the experience for how lending is going to be done and is being done in today's market. Outstanding. Jack, your final thoughts? David, we do a lot of podcasts that it kind of a give and take, value prop, work effort, This one's a no-brainer. As I said before, if in process engineering, you can do something that optimizes the process, translate, reduces your cost, you can do something that enhances the borrower's experience, and you can do something that mitigates important or critical risk to the franchise, That's the holy trinity of process re-engineering. It's a win, 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 David. So true. Folks, Jack and I have had as our special guest, Christina Moss, Chief Customer Officer. But you really are all about making lenders more successful. And that's your passion. Like you said, Christy, I love that, is your goal is to leave this industry better than what it was when you entered. And also joining Christy is Ben Christina Randolph, Senior Director, Single Family Strategy and Integrations at Freddie Mac. Thank you both for being here. Great information. Really interesting, exciting. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. This was really a great discussion. Always fun being with you guys. Love it. Jack, let's update our listeners as you texted me the latest numbers to cost or average cost origin alone. Average. What is that number? $10,637. $10,637. $10,637. $10,637. And that's average. 
which means there's a number of people well above that. Some below it, but that is crazy. So, folks, this was a very timely podcast. Jack, I enjoyed doing this interview with you. I love hearing your passion for process. One of the reasons I think we get along so well, we share that, but also just how much you want to make a difference in people's lives. Listeners, I encourage you to share this podcast out with your executive team, share it around your company, and then appreciate you mentioning it to others and posting it up on social media. We appreciate you being here each and every week as we do our sponsors. And Jack, Jack, thanks so much for being here. Great to have you as a co-host. But let's say a special thank you to Financial Fusion, Mortgage Bot Solutions, Form Free, Lender Toolkit, SnapDocs, Total Experts, Simple Nexus, Mortgage Bank. Bankers Association of America, Lenders One, Mortgage Collaborative Success Kit, Knowledge Cube, Mobility MMI, Modex, the Mortgage Advisor Tools, as well as DW Consulting. Thank you all for being a part of this podcast and sharing it and making it such a big part of your lives and a way of getting information. We're grateful for you. You are the reason why we are being so successful because you're sharing it. We love doing it. We're glad that you're receiving it. Tell others about it and look forward to have you back here next week. Have a great week. And again, happy Juneteenth and hope all the fathers had a great Father's Day yesterday. Talk to you soon. See you back here next week. You've been listening to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Lickin' of Transformational Mortgage Solutions. Join us next week, and thanks for listening. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.